Thank you, guys. And thanks to Jeff for reminding me of that Sufjan Stevens song. It was perfect for this morning. Well, good morning. I feel blessed to be here today. As I was saying hello to all of you this morning, I just was realizing we have such a wonderful collection of folks visiting this morning. We have folks here from First CRC, where apparently there's no power this morning. We have folks from Michigan. We have one of my former seminary professor's sons and his fiance is here this morning. Um, I'm just glad that you all are here. And I think that this is going to be a, a fun 30 minutes or so. Um, you just got passed out a coloring sheet and crayons, and I invite you to use them. Now, if you are going to take advantage of that and you have nothing to color on, I do have some clipboards here, but not enough for everyone. So I'm going to introduce the time, and you're welcome to come down and grab a clipboard. Um, I will not be distracted if you come and do that, because I want you to be able to enter into this experience. So what we're going to do, rather than me preaching on the transfiguration story, I'm going to lead us through um, an imaginative meditation on the transfiguration. So we got to hear Sufjan Stevens' take on the transfiguration. Um, as I lead us through this time, there are a number of different images that will be on the screen behind us. Um, and so I invite you to close your eyes if that helps you to kind of enter in imaginatively to this story from Scripture. Um, color, look at the images behind, whatever um, helps you enter in to this story this morning. So I want to set the stage first by giving us a little bit of context for the story. We are preaching through the lectionary, and so um, the last few weeks Mark has been preaching um, earlier on in Matthew, and we've just skipped ahead uh, like 12, verse, or 12 chapters uh, in the story. So we've gone from early on in Jesus' ministry uh, much further ahead towards the end of his earthly ministry here. And there has been a shift in the chapter before this where it says in Matthew's gospel that um, they are beginning to move towards Jerusalem. And Jesus' focus has shifted um, from kind of more of his teaching and just living life together with the disciples towards the cross. He is focused on kind of where he is headed now. So there's a bit of a sense of um, purpose and urgency to him that we see in the chapters that we'll be looking at, particularly this week. So in this passage that we're going to hear read in a few moments, um, there are some characters. And so the characters that we're going to be sitting with this morning are Peter, James, John, and Jesus. So Peter, James, and John, who are they? Well, they were fishermen before becoming disciples of Jesus. So these are common, ordinary men, um, blue-collar workers um, who have followed the call to become fishers of men with Jesus. But the further that they get away from Galilee, as they begin moving towards Jerusalem, you can imagine the more out of their element they may be feeling. All right, So just kind of sit with that reality. These three are also part of Jesus' inner circle. We see numerous times throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospels, that it's Peter, James, and John that kind of get invited in close to Jesus. So it's the three of them in this story. It's the three of them that Jesus asks to come with him um, in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he's betrayed. These are kind of his closest friends. Now, Peter. Let's think about Peter for a moment here. 
So in chapter 14, we are going to be in chapter 17 today. In chapter 14, um, the disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee, and they see Jesus walking towards them. And Peter, being the impetuous one, says, Jesus, ask me to walk to you on the water. And so Jesus asks Peter to come to him, and Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk and immediately just starts to sink, right? He panics, um, sinks like a rock. So that's chapter 14. In chapter 15, Jesus calls Peter dull when he asks him to explain a parable. So he's a little bit thick-headed, kind of slow to catch on to things. Then in chapter 16, there's this amazing declaration where um, Peter declares, you are the Messiah, the Christ. This amazing seems that Peter's finally gotten it. He understands what's going to happen, who Jesus is. And then in the next heartbeat, Jesus says, I am going to go to the cross. I am going to, be, I'm going to die. And Peter immediately rebukes Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. All right, so this is Peter. He's the impetuous one, the thick-headed one, the slow-to-catch-on one. And then we have James and John. Now, in Matthew 20, three chapters after the passage we're going to look at today, they are on the way to Jerusalem. They're walking along the road. And Jesus comes up to them and and says, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, oh, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, would you give us a place at your right and at your left-hand side? They don't understand, even after all of the things that they've witnessed, the character of Jesus' kingship. They don't understand that he has come to serve, not to be served, that the least will be greatest. So these are the men who are with Jesus in the story that we're going to reflect on today. So I just wanted to kind of highlight some of their humanity, some of who they were. And now I'm going to lead into a reflection on this passage. So this is Matthew chapter 17. And as I said, I invite you to close your eyes if that would help you. Whatever is comfortable for you, color those sheets. This is a little bit of a different morning, and that is good and right, all right? So as I lead us through this story, I invite you to engage your imaginations, all right? I want you to picture that you are in this story, all right? And so as you're listening, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell, all right? They're in Israel on their way to Jerusalem. So picture kind of the aridness of that climate. How would that feel on your skin? Bring all of that into your experience of this passage. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Let me read that again. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. I want you to take a moment to focus on Jesus in this moment. 
what does he look like? What does it mean that he is transfigured before them? For some of us, our, our connection to transfiguration perhaps is Harry Potter. All right, this is not the sort of transfiguration that's happening here where a mouse is turned into a teacup. One thing is turned into something else. When Jesus is transfigured here, what is happening is that who he has always been is simply revealed more fully. The fact that he is the true Messiah, the Son of God, in this moment, that breaks through his humanity a bit more. So imagine that you are one of the disciples there with Jesus. Experiencing this transfiguration. Do any questions well up in you? How do you feel as you witness Jesus' divinity bursting out of him in this moment? Mark, if you wanted to come up and doodle for me. Mark's going to provide some ambiance. And then continuing on. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, we often laugh at Peter's impetuous nature. But take a moment to reflect on how you might have reacted in this situation. Picture standing on this rocky, sloping ground atop this hillside with a warm breeze blowing. Picture this man that you love who has tenderly taught you, lived life with you, upended your view of the world over and over with his tender healings, his compassionate acceptance of outcasts. Picture this one being transformed before you, lit up from the inside. What is the response that wells up in you? What do you want to do in this moment? Peter, being the impetuous one, wants to put up three shelters. Don't just sit there, do something. Right? This is such a common refrain in our world. And also the cause of so much exhaustion in our world. Many of us come here this morning tired because we have bought into the myth of identity based on accomplishment. 
If we don't accomplish something, then we don't know who we are. But here's the irony. We want to do something to be valuable. And yet God doesn't need us to do anything. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't need us to do anything. God is extraordinarily capable. Over and over again, God's invitation is simply to be with him. Come up the mountain with me, he says. Come away and pray with me. Simply be with me. Abide with me. I want you to take a moment to sit with that invitation. Continuing on. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I'm going to read that one more time. And again, imagine that you are there. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came. And touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Peter, James, and John have just had a literal mountaintop experience. So in the next couple moments, I invite you to reflect back over your experience, your relationship with the Lord. To locate some of those special moments that you have had with God. And then take a moment to thank God for those moments, those thin spaces in your own life where God has met you 
powerfully. So often when we come to scripture, we come wanting to understand it. It becomes for us an intellectual exercise to sit and dissect the passage in order to know what does it have to say for me today. And sometimes that is good. When we hear this story, it's easy to want to understand why are Elijah and Moses there? What do they have to do with this? We want to assign meaning to that in order to understand the transfiguration. But I think that this is one of those passages where what is more important is that we simply experience an encounter with the divinity of Christ. What if the point is not to decode the cloud, but to enter in to the mystery and to simply be present in it? So I invite you to take a moment to reflect back over this story and to simply marvel that God would show up in this way. To humble Simple people like Peter, James, John, you and me. That God shows up. It's amazing. In these mountaintop moments, it is also understandable that we would want to stay there, right? When God draws near to us, when he shows up in those powerful ways, when he brings those moments of clarity and certainty, of course, we want to build a shelter and stay there. We want to live in that place. And yet, in this story, they do not stay on the mountain. 
Peter, James, and John begin descending back down into the valley with Jesus as quickly as it has all begun, it is over. Back into normal, ordinary life. But we know that Peter goes on to become the rock upon whom Jesus builds his church. And in the New Testament, we have two different letters written by Peter later on in his life. And in 2 Peter, he reflects back on this experience on the mountaintop. And it is clear in how Peter reflects. It's clear in who Peter becomes, that he becomes the rock that the church is built upon. What? Peter? That this experience has changed him. It's propelled him into a new season with greater confidence to be light in his world. Peter's experience reminds us that the purpose of these mountaintop moments is not to live there, but to strengthen us for the rest of life. These mountaintop moments are for the rest of life to empower us to go down and to be light and life in the valleys of life. Peter, James, and John walk down the mountain and right back into the fray. Crowds of people jostling to get at them. Religious leaders challenging their every move. And so as we come to the end of this time of reflection, Take a moment to reflect on how are you doing at depending on God in the fray of your life? How is your experience of God in those mountaintop moments overflowing in your daily life? I want you to think ahead to this coming week. What do you have coming up? Any big, big things coming up where you could be intentional in bringing God's presence with you into those places? As we end, invite God to go with you into your week. Invite God to go into those very specific conversations, situations, relationships where you need his power and his light. Invite him to be with you.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time this morning to focus our attention, our hearts, and our minds on you. We thank you that you are a God who shows up, that you chose to come and walk among us, that you understand what it means to be human, and yet in your humanity, your, your divinity was bursting forth from Jesus at every moment. We thank you for the, the visual of that that we got to sit with this morning and for the challenge to be a people who do not desire to live on the mountaintop, but who bring your presence with us into the valleys of our life. Lord, give us the strength and the courage and the intentionality to bring you with us, to rely on your power and your strength and your goodness and your light in all of the various places that we go tomorrow. We ask, Lord, that you would transform Seattle a little bit at a time as we live that out. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and for meeting us in the ways that we need to be met. Amen.